welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and we are here with episode 324. I am so excited to bring on my guest, Jennifer Scott, a wonderful filmmaker whose film is making a huge impact in the world, and we're going to talk all about that. Let's welcome her to the show. Jennifer, how are you? I am fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, well, really ever since we met. Um, you and I met and hit it off just absolutely right away. And uh, I grew to have respect for you very, very quickly for the film that you made. And we're going to talk uh, about all this. I'm trying to find a way to, I don't know how to describe it. So I'm just going to say uh, Eyes Upon Waking is an incredibly daring and touching film that I think was incredibly brave and bold of you to make because this is your story. This is your first film and you're putting your story out to the world to judge as they will and they will, and I'm sure they have. Um, <laughs> was there, was it difficult for you to make the decision to say, I'm going to make this film and I'm going to be on screen as myself? Um. Yes and no. Not difficult to say, I'm going to make this film. Um, but I kept going back and forth about playing myself. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure mentally if I should do that. Or I kept thinking, yeah, maybe I needed some star power. But then when I realized after auditioning people for it, um, that they just didn't get it. Or it was about, yeah, this is a great super role. Um they didn't have the truth to it or understand um, what I understand as far as like what the sound, the, the, the temperature, the smells, um, the nonverbal, um, everything that was there, the internal stuff. Um, so once I finally realized that I was like, Oh yeah, I, nobody else can do this, but me, I have to do this. <laughs> I mean, there, there might have been actresses and I'm sure there are that could have given an, an amazing dramatic performance. Yeah but that wouldn't have necessarily been your story. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and having that change. And I think that um, there's more relatability where somebody's like, oh yeah, this is your story and that this actor portrayed it and wow, but holy cow, we're reliving it as if you were going, you know, through it for the first time, I think is what really um, has this, big effect on everybody after they see it and realize um and because it, it's funny too because when they're watching this they're so used to seeing me with a bald head mm -hmm. and when I'm at the festivals the first thing they say is like wow you're a lot taller on screen <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like yeah and I didn't have to use an apple box um or I didn't recognize you um mm -hmm. or you're you're you know you're so bubbly and everything I'm like well I always was but I was just like yeah but yeah there you well, go well I, I think that's that's the thing that I, I'm wondering the most is while you're making this film and you're reliving these really difficult moments of your life, were you finding yourself going back into those feelings and situations or were you able to separate yourself and be an actor playing a role? Were there, was it, were there some tough moments for you? Oh yeah. Um, well, what we did was we split this up. So I would get some money in 2013. So we filmed the first five pages and then I got some more money in 2015. So we ended up filming, I think, another six pages. Um, and then the meat of it, there was about 12, um, 12 days worth left. And that was the meat where the ensemble and everyone comes together. Um, that was where it was the most difficult. Um, the the first half that we filmed, I didn't have a lot of dialogue. It was sort of like, okay, you know, this is what she's going through, the nonverbal stuff. But in 2019, um, my my production team really listened to me and it was spot on. It was, I mean, it's funny too, because some of it happened here at my house. And so we filmed here and I, I actually, you know what, in 2013, I remember after we did the scene from the opening scene, um, my dad, I, we had a reporter that was here and my dad, he and I just held each other for like 20 minutes and just cried and I think part of it was like the reality, like, wow, I'm going down there or finally making this. But 2019 was hard for me because um, when I would go on set, it's as if I was actually going back to the place that existed. And yeah. I 
I had a hard time with reality. Mm-hmm. Um, it carried like usually I would be able to be, you know, go into the character and then when we're done, it's like, oh, okay, I go and I can shut myself down. Right. You know, when I'd go back home or um I finally was like with the drive, it's like, okay, I gotta put myself in the hotel just because I needed sleep. Um I I I woke up as Taryn. I mean, I was her 24-7. Um, and because I wasn't eat, eating and sleeping, um, it was affecting me mentally. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and yeah, yeah. So it 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 was it was hell. I I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I would I would think so, especially yeah. the more introspective moments, the quiet moments. I mean, when you're delivering dialogue, you've got that to focus on, and and might have been a better distraction. But those moments where you're just sitting there and thinking or staring out the window, those I would imagine would have been some of the most difficult because your brain is open to be thinking about whatever, and your heart's feeling what you're feeling. Yeah, but I think it also helped. Um, with the the realism um my actors were absolutely amazing i handpicked everyone and um the scene with carlos when we're outside with a visitor scene um we just listened really well there's a lot of improvisation but it was truth it was the story because this is 85 percent verbatim and how it's written and when i was talking about you know we were comparing um the abuse he had from his family and what i had from my mom and everything and it just became so natural as if um, we were just having this conversation, not having lines that we memorized. And so I, I, I love watching that scene because you can just really tell we're connected mm-hmm. on that, where it's just like, it's just a, hey, you know, somebody just put a camera, you know, intruding, they don't know they're being filmed and just came in the middle of the conversation. Um, and yeah. I think because because I was, you know, I, I opened Pandora's box. Um, it allowed me just to go there and and have those memories. I, I think the one thing that I was really most afraid of was, are people going to say, well, you know, her performance is good, but, you know, she's playing herself. So she's not really much of an actress. <laughs> and- well, I, I don't think it's cheating acting, though. I mean, you could you could look at that and say, well, you're not acting, but you are because you're not in that moment. You are recreating yeah. those moments. So you are going back. You're not in this place right now, but you have to pretend to be. So yeah. I, I think that qualifies as, as acting. Um, <laughs> but were you how was how it for your dad to uh, to be a part of it and watch this after having lived it? Because it's the same thing for him, right? You're recreating a, a situation, but you're also recreating a situation that he lived through and he's involved in in the production and you know, yeah. he's there for you and being a great support system. But was it hard for him too to go through this again? Yeah, I mean, he was great. He's he's actually in my film three different times, mm-hmm. three different looks. <laughs> um, so he enjoyed that. But he he was always on set. He would always bring my my little dog. Um, because I, you know, so I can get my little love. He's my my uh service uh, support uh animal and um but i know it was difficult for him to be there like he'd come usually like when we break for lunch or, or a dinner um so he's only there for a couple hours uh but i know it was hard for him but you know he was a trooper too you know post-production um not post-production sorry pre-production mm-hmm. you know painting and everything um and the joy when we had our um screening for the cast and crew we had 300 people um that were there at once and just the joy you know I mean tears in his eyes but the joy that was there and then I noticed he would start coming to local film festivals with me um and again you know he's so proud and everything but he he couldn't really sit through the movie you know and watch it yeah be outside or, or something um because yeah, he, he, he went through it with me the first time. And, and it's so funny because somebody asked him about that too. And, and he made a comment and says, you know, I don't, I don't have to watch it. I, I lived it. You know, I, I know right. what's going on, yeah. um, but to see all the hard work and determination, because there was times I'm like, this is never going to get done. We had so many, so many things happen going against us and thank God I'm thick skinned and stubborn. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I'll show you, I'll show you. Um, so I think that was, you know, cause you know, you get pa- people and we've had, you know, close people to us. They're like, is your film ever going to get made? I mean, is it going to get finished? And, you know, um, my dad saw that determination and I think to, for really to hear the feedback from strangers, 
um, and them not knowing, you know, that he went through this with me. Um, he's just as proud as I am, you know, on the response. That's awesome. Well, I love that. And, and I don't think that this is a film about suicide. It's, it's based on the event of suicide. That's what kind of creates the situation that the movie takes place in. But I think to me, at least watching the film, it's really more about understanding each other, what each other are going through, being supportive and, and really recovery, finding your way and your reasons to not have to go through that again. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I always tell people, I said, you know, it, it, it ends with hope, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, because what I realized is, and the reason I said this film had to be made and I'm the person to do this is because there's so many films on the subject matter that do not address with what, what brings a person there to begin with. Right. And once they're there, what brings a person to cross the line? I mean, a lot of people think about doing it and the safe thing is always the pills. But, you know, when you have somebody that's hanging themselves or they're jumping, you know, off a, you know, a tall building, um, you know, they're they're serious. But it's it's not easy because, I mean, I remember the first time that, you know, I, I cut myself with a knife um, for half a second. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And the first mm-hmm. time I was like, drinking more because I wanted to numb it and like, you know, not think about reality, you know, would not hit, but yeah, that, that really, that hurts. And I was surprised when I did it the second time, um, I didn't have any drugs or alcohol or anything in me. I was, you know, I was just in such a state of mind Mm -hmm. in that darkness that nobody really existed. And I felt that that was important. If there's healing on the subject matter, that it's important for people to understand what's that the insaneness, um, the 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 pain that somebody's going through. Because a lot of people would sit here and say, you know, if their loved one took their life, they turn around about them and be like, you know, how dare they do that to me? And I'm thinking, we're not doing this to hurt somebody else. We're we're doing this to stop this intensified internal pain that we're not even allowed to talk about, to express. And I just felt, you know, that's why, you know, the nonverbal, it was really important because, you know, you can say things, but to engage an audience and to follow through and go through it the same way Taryn's discovering at the same time um, is what makes it effective. Mm. Um, But people have pain in so many other ways as well. People have chronic pain that can, you know, go to the depression. But so you're, yeah, I think you really are spot on. And it's really not about suicide because, you know, I had people like, well, somebody's got to die. I'm like, why? Why does somebody have to die? It, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic film where it's not about the war that created the post-apocalyptic world. It's about the post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. You yeah. know, but I think <laughs> there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to mental health, especially when it comes to things like suicide, because like you said, people say, how could they do this to me? And and I think part of that is deflecting a guilt of yeah. I should have been there. I should have seen this. I should have you know done more, whatever. Um, and that's understandable. But I don't think people understand that when people are at that point, they, it's not even about wanting to die. It's about not wanting to hurt or feel lost or feel helpless anymore. Yeah. You know, it's not about death at all. Yeah. And I see so many people, I don't want to be mean about this. I know this is going to come off, come across sounding mean, and I don't mean it this way, but people will post the suicide hotline and think that I've done good. Yeah. You haven't. If, if people are at that point, they should have had this a year ago or six months ago. You know, the reason that people don't talk is because they feel they're a burden. They feel that they don't deserve the help, that they don't want to bother people or, you know, people aren't going to talk to me if they know that I'm depressed or or I don't want people to see me this way because we have to put up these, you know, shields about our feelings nowadays and all this stuff. And I'm like, you're not helping. If you want to help, reach out to people you care about, check on them, show them that you're there for them. Don't just say, here's a number to call if you, you know, if you're having some problems. Yeah. 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 You know? Pop out. Like, don't tell me you're there for me and, and then shoo me away the minute I come to you and I right. ask, 
But I've been really fortunate that I had a really great support system with my friends and um, that they all lived on different coasts. So it's like, okay, who, you know, it's 1am here. Who's, you know, who's up or who's not, who's behind me. Okay. So, you know, like when I was in New York city, it was great. Um, where California, it was like, okay, there's, they're still kind of up and all that. I can talk to them. Um, and that, that helped me out a lot. And then it got to the point where I was really healing and I'd call my friends so like, Jen, what's wrong? You okay? And I'm like, no, man, I just want to chat. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and you know, it's all <laughs> But uh, see that, that, that then kind of leads me to the next thing, because then once people do find out and I, and I want to get your experience on this because now you've put, you've put yourself not only in a movie where you play somebody who has attempted suicide, is dealing with mental health issues, uh, and people will connect you with that character because for some reason, people can't separate movies and reality anymore. Um, don't understand that. But you are that person. You're you're playing yourself. So when people see you and they're like, oh, wow, that's you. Have people started treating you differently after that? Maybe with like, uh, I'm going to kind of shy away from you or maybe treat you a little more gently because they're afraid they're going to trigger you. Um, not understanding that this was years ago in your life. This didn't happen last week. Yeah. And I have to keep reminding them because we're going on 23 years now, you know, since that happened. Um, sometimes, usually people that I don't know, if they don't have a connection or understand it, um, then they're like on eggshells or they shy away or want to avoid me type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, others that are really compassionate, um, but they they if they know me well enough and they see my strength they're not worried but that being said it's really hard because i actually had an episode a couple weeks back and i'm not proud of this but i was so tired and i wasn't eating and i was drinking and i was saying stupid things and my friends just like jen you know you you come so far and that's a cop out and everything and, um, but then it got serious where they're like, I'm going to call the, the ambulance. And I'm like, don't you dare. Wow. I'm like, please, I am strong, but I'm at a weak moment right now. And I'm like, my checks and balances, I haven't been taking my vitamins. I haven't slept. I haven't eaten. I have beyond stress that I can handle and drinking is not helping, you right. know, in this case. And I was like, and I just got angry. I'm like, I will never talk to you again. You want to get rid of our friendship because it's like, that is an embarrassment to do that. But allow me, you know, because we're going to, I tell people with depression, I said, as strong as I come across, I got a handle on it. But here's the crazy thing. Before that episode happened, I was bragging going, I have not been depressed in at least a year. I can't tell you the last <laughs> time I've been depressed. And then boom. That and your happened. body's like, I'll show you. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, the worst thing you can do. And I, I was telling, I was screaming at my friend. I'm like, you calling the cops or the ambulance right now, you thinking you're going to help me is not because that means you don't believe you never believed that I am as strong as I am, but I am human yeah. and, and I'm faltering on this, you know, and, and it happens, but, and of course, you know, I woke up the next day and I'm like, God, I'm a stupid idiot. And that could have gone wrong. You know, but, it, you know, I guess sort of like her pissing me off. I was like, I'll show you I'm going to stay alive. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to challenge somebody. I dare yeah. you. I dare you to stay alive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, especially if you're somebody like me that's stubborn. It's like, I'll show you. Right. I'll yeah. Tell you should tell yeah. me I can't do something and I'll show you I can't. So you just work that from whatever angle you need to to get what you want out of me. That's how I got the film made. The more people yeah. tell me, you know, I'm like, I'll show you. <laughs> I mean, I I could I guess I can understand it to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's it should be more, how can I help you? What do you need than this is what I'm going to do, which may or may not, it may make it better. It may make it worse. Instead of taking the chance, have the dialogue. What do you need right now? What can I do to, you know, help alleviate your stress right in this moment? Let's well, and to tell better, you, the, you know? way, the, the way this works is what would have been nice or what I would do for somebody else who is going through this is just let it go in one ear, not the other ear, ear, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, and let me be dramatic right now because I was feeling like I was lower than anything, a piece of shit. So I was basically punishing myself, mm -hmm. you know, which was stupid. 
And the only reason I was doing that was because I was so tired and not eating. And that's right. a big problem, you know, on that. And so it was just like, let me, let me just feel sorry for myself. I just need to do this because if I do that, then I'm not disappointed because I can't live to everybody's standards. And that's hard time yeah. sometimes too, because everybody yeah. expects me to always be strong. And it's like, well, you know, I'm still human. Even if I yeah. suffer, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot going on at times. Well, I mean, you could, you could have survived and, and gone through the hospital and all the treatment programs and been given the most amazing tricks and tips and strategies of how to deal with life. But life is unpredictable. Things pile up. Things happen that we have to deal with that come out of the blue. Sometimes three or four things and it's overwhelming. There's nothing wrong with having those moments. Nothing at all. If you didn't, I'd be like, you're hiding something. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would be more worried about that. She can't always be this on top of things. You know, I, you're <laughs> human. We're all human. We're all going to have those moments. And we need to learn that it's okay. We yeah. need to accept it for ourselves yeah. and we need to accept it for other people. And it's, it's a way of venting because I wear my emotions yeah. on my sleeve. Mm -hmm. And so I'm an open book, you know, and in the movie, I, I would tell guys, if you're thinking about dating me, every different, um, oh my God, what's the right word? Uh, personality or whoever I am mood. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you see is what you get. That is me. Right. You know, there's that softness, there's this, this and that. And I, you know, I, I like myself. I'm not perfect. That's Okay. But that's just my way of venting. And unfortunately, like I said, it just got, you know, when you and I were talking earlier, I just, you know, I'm dealing with no air conditioning with my walls cut out, dealing with mold, my my dad's health and this and that. And it's just like, and I think to tell you the truth, what brought that on is I have a birthday um, coming up and getting older and I ex I expect to be further along in life at this age than I am. I understand. I'm just yeah. freaking out about that right now. But you know what? That being said, my birthday comes and goes. It's like, yeah, you get through it. You got your bitching out. You get mm -hmm. it out. Um, and then you move on. And that's, that's, I know myself and, and my friends should know that about me too. It's like, yeah, just, just let me do it. And I'm good. You know? I think for me with the age, like age is not a big deal to me, but every time I get pushed into another bracket, like on a survey, or if I have to fill out a form, I'm like, damn it, that's one more bracket. I'm that much closer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that, that's the one thing that makes me feel old more than anything else. Um, you have won a ridiculous amount of, of awards. And when I say ridiculous, I mean that with the greatest respect. I mean, when I look at your website and the the uh, the link to the website is in the show notes, you guys, the trailer is, is on the website as well. Go check it out. Uh, this is still doing the festival circuit. So it's not available for public consumption at the moment. But as soon as it is, we're going to have you back on and let everybody know so that they can go watch it. But for those people that are part of the festival circuit, you need to see this film. And there's a reason that there is a sea of awards that it's won. Um, I, I'm, I'm really weird. Like sometimes I can watch something that I probably should feel more about over and don't. And then I can watch something that's completely nonsensical and get incredibly emotional. And yeah. it, it all happened when I got injured, when I smashed my toe with a 90 pound grease shuttle, um, all of a sudden, like everything changed that day. I cried everything. Now <laughs> I'm like, that polar bear is just trying to get dinner. You know, I, and, and he's mauling an alligator. Um, but this, I can't do the Folgers, you know, the, the commercials for Christmas, the Folgers. And oh yeah. Comes and sneaks in. They didn't expect him to come home. I cry every time. <laughs> he's here. Hey, Peter. Or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but with this film, I was, I think I was able to keep, a reasonable distance. I remember there were a couple times I did get a little bit choked up because I really wanted to concentrate on the film, you know, and watching what you had created. I'm trying to like do all, wear all these hats instead of just sitting down and, and enjoying this as the film it is. But there were a couple moments where I remember getting like rooting for you and then being like frustrated because you weren't advancing as much as I wanted you to. And, and the other people, like there was, it was such a roller coaster of emotion, this film. And I think that anyone that sees this, this is a great opportunity to understand certain aspects of mental health that a lot of people don't get to see because unless you're involved with people that are experiencing it or you're experiencing it yourself and maybe not even understanding it, 
this is an opportunity to see how you can help people, how you can be supportive. And, you know, even, even just checking on people can make the biggest difference in someone's yeah. life. Well, and the ensemble that I have, I mean, there's one scene in there where they're revealing, you know, how their family's treating them or their friends or why they're where they're at. Um, I love that scene because I'll have, before we even started filming and people were reading the screenplay, they're like, I don't relate to your character, but I definitely relate to this other character. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great because it has it well-rounded, but you're getting, you're getting a perspective from what do we have? We got one, two, three, four, like six core people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and seeing how people are, you know, coming together, but what their struggles are, um, and so it's different perspectives from my my character's um, story. And I think that's very important. And that's why it's also very relatable to others. Yeah, I would agree. And and I really enjoyed too that you, well, I enjoyed is a weird word to use, but I, I appreciated, <laughs> perhaps would be a better word, um, that you did show interaction with the families, that it wasn't just here's you guys in the hospital, in group, out of group, having meals together or whatever. Um, you actually did show some interaction with the families and and really showing how the families did not understand or know how to work with the their loved ones. I thought that was a very important part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's that stuff is all real that, you know, and it's so funny because when I was writing this, when I sat down with Andy Gallup, um, uh, who just, oh, he's brilliant. Um, it was almost like I it was not reality that I'm going to make, actually make this film. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, let's see if I can write it. And maybe, you know, I can play one of the, you know, put a scene together for my actor's reel or something like that to showcase something. Cause yeah. you know, I didn't know how to make a film, you know, where do you get the money? You know, how do you do this? Um, right. And so it just, and, and it's interesting too, because like I bite my, I never realized I bit my nails. Mm -hmm. you know, and he wrote that in and I'm like, oh yeah, I do. And I'm stressed <laughs> and everything like that. So he just absorbed everything. I mean, he listened. I mean, it is, like I said, verbatim on this dialogue and everything and everything, right. the clothing that I'm wearing, the majority of it, not all of it, but the majority of the clothing, um, is what I actually was wearing, uh, mm -hmm. during that time. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, if you're going to do it, do it right. You know, there's no reason to change it. But mm -hmm. I, again, I was thinking, who's going to care about this? I'm not famous. You know, it's just one story. Um, but I did, he listened to the whole story. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so, you know, this is with a conversation of Maria, what, you know, we, we end up seeing, or, you know, this guy, Carlos, who drove me freaking nuts, man, you know, but there's kind of like that bond and everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's who would have known that out of absolute truth, you 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 know, with your vision, everything like that, that an audience would gravitate towards, especially for someone like me who's not known, you know, at all. So. Well, I don't think being known is really the thing as much as you're you're placing yourself in a place where people are open to experience. I mean, being in the film festivals, they sit down and they go, what's this film going to be? And, you know, they kind of go into it with a at least a little bit of optimism that it may be good, it may be horrible, who knows? And <laughs> then seeing your film probably blown away because nobody could have sat down and expected what they saw. And I can imagine that anybody with any kind of heart or soul stood up being the same person they were when they sat down. I mean, it just, it, it just, I couldn't fathom that. Well, I know what's interesting too <clears throat> is, you know, for film festivals, you know, you, you market the crap out of it. Yeah. So I'll be there a couple of days before and just inviting and sharing and everything. And so I would have a couple of people. It's like, Hey, you know what? Last minute, somebody said, Hey, come and see this. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And they're like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't because I probably wouldn't have come or I'm so glad I knew you know, on there. So you're right. It is, it's they, cause again, they're seeing me like, Oh, you're promoting handing out these bracelets and blah, blah, blah. And all this peppy. And they're like, wait, that's <laughs> you. I mean, yeah. that was, 
that's you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah. But I, but, and I think by description, if you were to say, Hey, I want you, I've, I've got this film that I saw. I think you might like it. It's about this girl who tried to kill herself and she's in this, you know, facility and all this. It doesn't sound like a film that you're going to want to see. It's not sexy. It's not action. It's yeah. not, you know, it's, it's not something that when, when people get the Netflix description, they might go, Oh, I've got to see this film. Yeah. But when they see it, it's going to change them. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't realize, like you said, too, the yeah. roller coaster and everything and the laughter, you know, we, yeah. we didn't, you know, writing what is real. Like when they started laughing and we had a reading, I had about a hundred people at the reading and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's a good sign. I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And then when you get a group of people like at, at bare bones, there might've been like 30 people there. And I, I always sit in the back, you know? And it was just, and there's, there's actually one scene in there that the Smokey Joe scene, you know, mm-hmm. the coloring. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm the one crack because I'm <laughs> in there, but that delivery, I'm like, oh my God, but it's it just fine humor. But there are, you know, to hear people like picking up on, on cues or places I didn't hear laughter before. Cause a lot of times, like sometimes people will laugh out of uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. but this was like, they got, they got, I don't want to say it's a sick sense of humor because out of life i mean you know you play it straight that's where the humor comes out sure yeah but like they kind of got it like on the subject matter like you know some of the the remarks you know i'd I'd have and everything like that because you know i'm i wasn't like toying and like oh just got you it's like i was being serious and stuff but for having the audience pick it up it's like my God, they're really listening to this. Yeah. Well, cool. it's 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 an easy film to immerse yourself in because you want to understand, you want to root for the for everybody to Good. come out okay, you know. Um I, real quick, did you shoot at the hospital that you were actually a patient in, or was it a different location? We did. Well, here's the deal. So the hospital closed, and then they had uh two floors that they were renting out. And we tried to film there and they just, the realtors are like, nah, you know, we're not going to have any of this. So we ended up filming outside of the hospital. Oh. So in the beginning, like when Taryn's first in there and then you, um, you know, you could tell like she's from the ER and then you have the van like driving by and people walking by, you know, in the desert shot. That's actually the front of that the hospital where that took place, and we did oh, that. Wow. Okay. We did that gorilla style. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's sort of. Oh, you have to. Yeah, yeah, people are looking. We got to do this. What's going on? Um. So yeah, that part um definitely uh got in there. That's interesting. I think if if you had done the interior in the facility that you were in, that might have been a little harder. Uh, you know, it had the, a little more realization to it because you're. Oh yeah, I remember when I had this meal in this cafeteria or I sat over there in this chair. It might have been a little too much. Yeah, well, yes, because I mean there's a couple places that we were scouting because the hospitals, you know, they have their, you know, you got your hallway here and here and you the square. Um, so they're they're pretty much the same. Um but what was interesting is the we ended up filming at um Howenstein, a, a school out here in Tucson, Arizona that's been closed for at least 10, 15 years. Right. And that was in the round. And mm. you couldn't tell that from our filming. No, not at all. Um, but so what was great is all the breakout rooms and everything. Um, because I would show to my production designers, I would say he here's because because the hospital okay, so the hospital is one, but the holding facility that exists we were not allowed to film there. And I understand because it's still up and going. Mm-hmm. So I went on their website and they had the the photos, the actual, I mean, everything that I'm wow. talking about. Mm-hmm. So I showed that to my production designer. I'm like, this is what it looked like. This is, this is a setup. This is how we had it. And they were able to incorporate that. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. That's so I don't cool. think, I don't think it would have mattered if we were back there at the actual hospital or if we got into the facility, mm-hmm. um, it's still, it still is very effective. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure. Well, before we wrap up, uh, you got to show your film and I think you did a Q and A at the Chinese theater in, uh, in LA. Did you not? Yes, we did. We did. And I got to see so, oh my God, like little Zoe. I mean, she was like nine years old and she's, she's grown and gorgeous and 16 and so much taller than me right now. Um, and just, yes, you know, my, my composer Henrik was there and Steven, my DP and 
uh oh my gosh rosa and judy oh yeah i mean there were it was so great because um a lot of people that i've worked with are cast out of la i haven't seen since right so yeah. oh it was it was phenomenal it it, it yeah yeah it was that uh that place is very special to me i've gotten to see a couple of premieres and, and q a's there uh my music has also played at the chinese theater so i kind of have a bit of a connection um, the very first red carpet I did was at the Chinese theater. So there's there's a little bit like that's a very special place for me. I, I wish I had been able to go out and see your film when you were there, because that was after we met. Um, I'm I'm curious. I hate red carpets. I just I loathe <laughs> that whole process. Um, <laughs> I hate having my picture taken and posing. You? you always know it's like in pictures. It's like. You know, they're always like, look at the camera, but I'm like looking away or off or, I'm like, <laughs> you know, because I just, I, I, I'm uncomfortable and even yeah. I'm, I'm okay with the, I, I'm getting better with interviews, um, mm. but I get tongue tied and yeah. So you're doing great here. If that okay, helps. Okay. <laughs> like, like, and there, and there's so many cameras like flashing at you and people are trying to talk to you and tell you to look this way and that way. And all yeah. these, all these things are happening and it's such sensory overload all at once like you're waiting to go up and then there's two people in front of you then a person and then you're up and it's like you're like wait what do i do where do I? yeah yeah, yeah it's like the fourth of july is happening right now for 30 <laughs> seconds go uh it's insane how do you i remember that one of the biggest conundrums for me was i was told i could never wear the same outfit like i couldn't wear the same shirt on any red carpet because there would be pictures on tmz and because tmz covered a lot of the events i was at Oh, I didn't get that far. Good for oh, you, man. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know that I'm proud of that. But <laughs> um, how was like, did you have a strategy for how you would handle red carpets, what you were going to wear, what was too much, what needed to be done for different events? Like, what was your what was your experience with that? No, I think it depended on on the weather, you know, mm. for comfort. Mm. Um, and, you know, I wanted to look cute and sassy since the audience is seeing me with my head shaved and very tomboyish and in flannels and stuff, you know, nothing really attractive. Right. Um, but I haven't, yeah, I, I haven't worn the same outfits, but I've worn the same wigs. I like wearing different wigs. So there's, mm. there's sometimes I'm a blonde, like the bare bones that didn't turn out so well. The blonde one didn't quite work, you know? Oh. <laughs> um. And then the hat, I mean, the trademark, I, I always wear my hat. That's my trademark too. So that's been consistent in all the festivals. And then sometimes with, with the dress, like, you know, um, I've always made sure I didn't wear the same dress um, mm -hmm. at the award ceremony on that. But now I might have to because I can't afford to get any more. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's only so many different things that you can buy to wear one yeah. time and then, yeah. you know, get rid of it. Um, yeah, I always found that very fun. Like I even got to the point where fortunately I had a lot of different ties. So I, I had like a lot of fun ties like Cirque du Soleil and Gumby and Beethoven and all kinds of things. So uh, the tie part wasn't a problem so much as just like at least having a different color shirt. Because as a guy, I can wear black pants to 100% of the events that I go to and no one's going to care. But the shirt, the tie, that that's the stuff that'll get picked out, right? Yeah. So yeah, I always found that very frustrating and, you know, was there was there one where you're like, okay, I have to dress like to the nines. This is a big one, or you know, that was Australia. Yeah, that was when I that was the first award I won Best Actress, and I almost didn't make it. Um, there was issues not on my end um, with the visa, and I was stranded at the LA. I I slept at LAX for three nights. Um, or Judy helped me like the first night to get like a hotel. It was like two hundred dollars a night. Yeah. Um, and then my friends finally are like, yeah, Jen, we'll come get you. I'm like, can I take a shower at least or poop, you know, or something? Right. Yeah. Um, I was to the hilt. Mm. I, I had a dress that I bought 12 years ago and I was like, I'm going to fit in this. And it was gorgeous. And I actually went, I had a short pixie haircut. Um, but I missed, I missed my premiere. Um, but I was, yeah, on there. And then Sholo, uh, was, because that was the first really big premiere here in the U.S. And the dress I wore, um, it, it was so cold. I wish, because it was short sleeves, I'm like, oh, I wish I should have just gone with comfort. Because then you start looking at photos, like, what are other people wearing? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't dress up at Bare Bones. Some people did, but I was like, man, I'm just into comfort right now. Um, but, like, at the Chinese theater, because it was rainy and cold, I'm in my ski pants and my little Ugg 
boots and stuff in the sweater. I was like glasses. I think I was wearing my glasses at that time. Um, but yeah, the the one in Australia, AFIN, uh, it, it was it was just the award ceremony was just absolutely amazing. The dinner, I mean, you know, the courses throughout and everything and um everyone's gown was gorgeous, you know, on that. So but so that was fun. That was like my my version of the Academy Award, you know. Sure. Well, I mean, I love the fact that you got to go to Australia at all and just to, you know, to see your film premiere there, the fact that they were even playing it. And I mean, it's yeah. all, there's well, so many great things about you getting to go to so many of those premieres. Yeah. And I was, I was opposed to the first one was in the UK. And mm. when I went to go, you know, the flight was like $800 and I was like, man, I really want to be there. It's the first one. And I couldn't afford it. My dad's like, cause it was, it premiered on my birthday mm. and my dad's like, well, I'll just, I'll pay for the flight. You know, I'll give you the, 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 the rest. And I'm like, really? And then the next day it went up like $3,000 and I was supposed to start a job. So I was like, it doesn't make sense to fly there. And then I literally have to turn around the next day to start a job. Right. Um, Cause if you're going to go out there, I mean, I want to spend more time. And then um, I was supposed to go to Portugal. Um, same thing. I just, just the way this is not the the best year, you know, to try mm -hmm. to, to try to fly. Yeah. Um, but, and, and the weather and everything. And I didn't, I didn't want to go by myself. I wasn't feeling safe with everything. Oh, sure. The one, there was one in Mexico um, that we're supposed to go to and you know that was going to be another, you know, grand event and everything. And it got canceled last wow. minute. And then I was supposed to go there next month. But again, with everything's going on, I'm like, I couldn't find anyone to go with me. I'm like, I just, I don't really speak the language and the hotel's like an hour away. And I, mm -hmm. my gut is just saying, you know, don't do that. And then, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm running out of money and all that, sure, but what's yeah. helped me is like when you, when you put your film on your credit card. So I had all these, you know, flights and hotel points and everything, Sure. Uh, but hold on a second. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that was kind of, kind of a bummer on that because for me, it's like, if, if, especially overseas, if they're inviting me, it's, I, out of respect, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make the effort to be there. This is so amazing. Oh, yeah. I keep traveling and I have friends, you know, worldly, but mm. it just, yeah, it was just, it was just really hard. Just things have changed with the airlines and expense. Um, but I, you know what, in my heart to tell you the truth, I felt like I was at the ones I'm supposed to be at, you know, yeah, I think that's the way it works out sometimes, yeah. but I'm glad you got to go to some and, and experience that. Um, last question before we wrap up, we've got to talk about Edie McClurg. Um, for those of you who uh, that name might sound familiar to, you might know her as Herb Tarlick's wife on WKRP in Cincinnati, one of my all-time favorite it's, television I shows. I forgot about that, yeah. yeah or, uh, or as the uh, secretary at the school in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She's done a ton of work, very yes. unique voice. You'd certainly know her voice if you heard it. Um, yeah. how did it come about that you got to work with her on this project? Oh my gosh. Um, one of the first films I was involved with producing, um, I had Sid Haig, Joseph as, and Bobby Zadar. And I was so surprised to find out how easy it was for me to just call their agent, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. ask. And Mike, who was Edie's rep was, um, I think Gloria repped Sid and Mike was repping Edie. And I was like, well, we build up this rapport. And, you know, as a producer, these guys got paid and they got treated well. Mm -hmm. So I was like, who does he rep? And I'm like, oh, my God, Edie would be absolutely perfect. But before that, I saw Edie in a movie. Uh, it was a dramatic role. Um, it had something to do with like a mental institution, like a cuckoo thing. And I was like, you know what? People really don't see the side to her. And this is a yeah. serious role. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, I wanted the world to see that there's more diversity to her and open more doors. Cause she and I were talking about, cause I asked her, I said, what, if you had any role that you haven't played, what would you want to do? She goes, I'd want to be a serial killer. I said, how about Ooh. a grandma serial killer or something? I mean, Kathleen Turner kind of had that. Mm -hmm. Um, but we had a different twist to it. And so, yeah, and the, I knew the spiel and the negotiation. And then, um, you know, when she was on, you know, spot on, I was able to talk to her and I asked her, I said, why did you decide? And she's like, because Jen, people, she goes, one, it's dear to my heart, but she's like, people don't give me this opportunity and they don't see this. And I saw the message that you were doing. And we, we developed a really good friendship um, throughout 
uh, just very, just so fond of her yeah. uh, and everything. And I'm just, we, because we had to do some reshoots, um, I had discussions with my director where he's like, you know, it's not going to work because, you know, in the beginning you see her with the Edie hair, the red hair and how it is and perfect. Mm-hmm. And when we had to bring her back in 2015, um, it wasn't really colored, you know, she was, you know, breaking out or, you know, she mm-hmm. forgot her rollers and everything. And I was like, well, wait a minute, think about this. She's supposed to stay overnight. Like she's so worried about me. So she's, she's at, you know, a 14 hour shift and she's mm-hmm. basically sleeping by my side. So she's not going to look perfect and everything, right. but I, I like that scene better because you see her real and raw and barely any makeup compared in the beginning. Um, you know, they, I was like, why does she have lipstick on? I mean, she's not, it's not supposed to be glamorized. Right, yeah. She has a hot date. Like she's like, this is the end and I'm getting ready. Um, but just the truthness, you know, the rawness. Um, but sometimes and- people need those things just to like feel human. Like sometimes just putting on lipstick, just putting on cologne, like whatever yeah. thing that means something to you. Yeah. You know, but she's I- She's won I, two awards, by the way. She's won two oh, awards. awesome. Yeah. I, I, I've never understood the fact why we have to make things so perfect like that. You know, it, it's like, I, I want, I'm a big fan of The Office. I love that show. But anytime a character breaks- you know, somebody laughs at something, they cut it out and they reshoot it. I'm like, but people would laugh in real life. If you're shooting a documentary style thing, why aren't people allowed to have real human reactions? Why couldn't she not look exactly the same the next day? Because maybe she did her color a while ago and it's starting to fade, or she's just, maybe she was wearing a wig the whole time. I mean, there's so many things. Yeah. As long as it doesn't look out of continuity, because there's a difference. If you shoot it right or you edit it properly or explain it away somehow, then it makes sense. If it, if it looks like a continuity error, then people are going to start getting focused on that and not on your story and you kind of lose them a little bit. So it's kind of a fine line. Time passes because to to Mm -hmm. solve that, that issue, you know, I said at the time I said to the director, I said, well, let's do a sun, sunset, sunrise, you know, Mm -hmm. set sunrise to show the passage of time Mm -hmm. that we come back to her. So they know like, you know, there's been some time going through and that would make more sense. But to tell you the truth, because, you know, I, I, I marketed this. So I had about, uh, you know, we, you go to the theater, rent it out and you say, okay, here's a questionnaire, watch it and your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, was there anything that pulled you out of the moment or that you felt um, in the beginning that didn't work? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? It's like, perfect. Like they, I think, and and I think, again, because it was so well-written that people aren't sitting here going, oh, well, that clock's off or this is out there or wait, there's yeah. short and all that because they were really um, taken in. Mm-hmm. But I, I know when I go to movies and I start looking at the extra, now, of course, as at producing, I can't look at a film ever again the same. I'm like checking out yeah. the and the wardrobe and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I'm bored, I'm like, also I'm watching the background, which isn't good. Right. Because you never want anyone to do that. You know, if they're watching the background, then you're not doing your job right. So yeah, but once you once you're in the business, once you make films, you kind of can't really just uh, yeah, watch films uh, yeah. anymore and enjoy them. You know, it, <laughs> it takes a lot to like when I when I used to go to the theater, my rule of thumb was if I realize that the screen has edges, you've lost me. Yeah. If I've come out I've of that, that film and I see that rectangle, yeah. see those 90 degree angles, I you've lost me. Yeah, you may get me back in that may have been intentional that may have been all right we're gonna lower the action a little bit we're gonna let him breathe then we're gonna do the final push and then suck me back in and that happens um but but that's a different a definite moment to notice if you've come out of that and you go i'm a person in a theater where have i been for the last 47 minutes like i have no idea that i was actually in a public place didn't realize i was even a person because i'm so engrossed in the story when i come out of it you got to find a way to suck me back in. Well, and I, you know, I've seen this film over a thousand times yeah. and a good sign is if I've seen it that many times, because most people are like, God, I'm tired of this film. Can we get over? I'm like, I love it every time. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, it's hard. The, the climb, the, the emotional scene at the end, um, there's, I'm getting better. Usually that's when I get up, you know, one, yeah. because I have to pee and I got to get ready for the Q and A, but it's, it was hard for me to watch, but now it's like, I just, I don't get bored watching this and which is, you know, 
that's a good thing but mm-hmm. i'm also a stickler and very critical on other movies so it's like i i'm i was so critical on this film but i would take my place going okay i'm putting myself as an audience member you know not as a director producer and all this right yeah how would i feel as an audience member and i think mm-hmm. you know that's the film i wanted to make and create and to see the the audience gravitate towards that um is amazing but it's like yeah i there's times where it's like oh my god you know the editing and you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to have to watch it all the way through because you never know, like, on hiccups. But it's like, I really, I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just good. Well, Another- and, I, and like we were talking about before we started recording, and, and I'll end on this note, um, you created something that's very special, that's touched a lot of people already. It's it's very apparent by the reactions that you're getting at the festivals and the, the awards that you've won. Um it's hard, especially in a festival to really reach people because they've seen film after film after film, and they've been sitting for hours or sometimes days. And um, it's a, it's a really difficult thing, but you've cut through that and you've reached people and you've touched their hearts and made them see things a a different way. What am I looking at here? My little guy, I keep forgetting this is blurred. He's like, mommy, come on, you took, you had enough time. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I will let you go, but thank you so much for for coming on and talking about this incredible film. I'm looking forward to uh, the time that the ah uh, that the festival circuit is done, and and it'll hopefully get out there for everyone to see because I really think that this is a film everyone needs to see. I thank you. I mean, that means a lot, and thank you so much for having me on their show. Of and course, kind words and um, yeah, and and helping to promote and. Uh, I'm I'm reachable if anyone questions or anything like that. I'm, you know, I, I'm here to help um, as and, well. And we've got your links in the show notes. We've got your Facebook, your Instagram, your website. Uh, boy, it's, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I've got it all there. Uh, Eyes Upon Awakening, amazing film. Thank you for having the, um, the stamina, the fortitude, the perseverance and, and the guts to tell your story because none of those things could have been easy. No, no. No, but thank you. Absolutely. You take care, Jen. <laughs> Have a great night. You too. Thanks. <laughs> Ciao.